0: Wow, how to really introduce this podcast, I'm a little bit at a loss for words. Daniel surprised me, and this podcast is a must listen. It really is. As an introduction, today I'm talking with Daniel Geffen. He's the host of the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, which is about entrepreneurship and success. Now, he's an entrepreneur in his own right. He has a business called GetFeatured.com. But the Daniel we're talking about here is what I would say a life leader. We're talking about his relationships, his family, his wife, his kids, and what he truly thinks a successful life is made up of. If you're looking for a dose of life inspiration, you can honestly start right here. This conversation is deep. Sometimes it's very real, but it's incredibly motivating and uplifting. I went away after recording this episode with Daniel and had a new spurt of energy and how I was showing up in my own life. So big ups to him. Now we talk about it in the episode, but Daniel has a new book coming out fairly soon called The Self-Help Addict. I think it'll be a good one. a little bit more about this episode and what we're going into we're talking about how he used reverse psychology to convince his wife to marry him the cycle that self-help addicts usually find themselves in the importance of momentum in life and how you can inspire your children to turn into the people you hope they will become goodness 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 people stay tuned Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive, I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going.
1: Daniel, thank you so much for being on Here to Thrive with us today. I'm really looking forward to talking through your story.
2: Kate, it's such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Now, when I was listening to your podcast, I found your personal story fascinating. I want to start with getting to know you a little bit better and Paint the picture of what kind of person you are. Being a parent, I literally laughed out loud when you were sharing the story of being a four-year-old, I think you were, and the chocolate. Can we start there? Can you tell us that story?
2: Oh, God, here we go. (laughs) Uh, So my parents, when I was about four years old, they took me to the forest in England, middle of nowhere, and I suddenly had the desire to eat some chocolate. So I turned around to my mother and I said, I want chocolate and she turns around and says oh i'm really sorry dear but you know we didn't bring chocolate i i have some pretzels and i have some other snacks but we don't we didn't bring any chocolate and i said but i want chocolate and she said yeah but we're in the middle of a forest we're in the middle of nowhere and there's no chocolate and i said but i want chocolate <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, I know. But and and then I went into this little song that I created on the spot and it went like this. I want chocolate. 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 I want. And I went on and on and on and on for about an hour straight until my mother was literally going to pull her hair out and just have a complete nervous breakdown and she just like grabs him by the hand. She's like, all right, all right, all right, just stop singing that song. We'll we'll get you chocolate. We'll find chocolate. Just let's go. And my father like is taking pictures of like the scenery and she's like, come on, we got to go. We got to go. He needs to get his chocolate and get into the car and we drive around and we try to find, you know, a place that finally we got some chocolate. And there I am standing with a big grin on my face while I open up my chocolate bar and uh, realize that, yeah. Yeah. I, I I got what I wanted. So that was a little brat inside of me.
1: But perhaps um, your first lesson in tenacity that you just have to stick it out.
2: Huge, huge, huge. One of the biggest, if anybody asks me, like, what is the number one like, component to your success and anything that you've done, it is that I don't give up. I just keep going. I just keep going. You know, when I dated my wife, it was, this is really funny. She's from California. She's beautiful. And I like literally love at first sight with her, not, not her with me. And uh,
1: I, I, <laughs> I love it
2: literally had to chase her i mean i charmed her you know i did all the usual but she was like yeah you know playing hard to get that typical thing and so i fl- got on a plane i bear in mind i'm an english boy who's never been to america and here i am getting on a plane to go fly to go see her because we met in israel uh, which is interesting because now we live here we have four kids now we've been married for 10 years so but Back then, we kind of bumped into each other in Israel and I flew to L.A. I had no idea where I was going to stay or what I was going to do. And I literally just like called up a couple of my friends. Hey, do you know anybody in California? And they're like, California is pretty big. Like, where in California. I'm like, "Uh, I think she lives in Los Angeles. You know, oh, yeah, I know a few friends. So I ended up crashing. By random people's houses, I'm like, "Hey, can I stay with you for a couple of weeks like I'm just here visiting a friend?" and they're like, "Um, okay, until like they kind of kicked me out. so I was there for about two months dating Lauren, and I actually played a little trick on her it's called reverse psychology
1: <laughs> oh, tell us more, tell us more
2: oh boy, this is so funny so I'm a sales guy like through and through like that's my secret power. Like, that's, my, that's my superpower. right? I suck at so many things. like I'm so unorganized. I forget things all the time. Just ask my wife. But I'm, I'm really good at sales. Without even necessarily knowing I was doing it, at one point, I really wanted to get engaged. And we had this weird conversation where I basically said to her, why are you not ready? And she said to me, I don't even know what it is. I think you're amazing. I, I really like you. I, I really like... I, I, I don't know. I like I love being with you and I love like just hanging with you and I think you're amazing and I think you'd be an amazing husband and amazing father and everything but I just don't know what it is. And so I'm like trying to dig a bit deeper. I'm like okay, well I mean, can you try and think maybe like what what could it be? And then she's like, "Okay, this is going to sound really weird, but I'm going to say it. you're too nice." And I said, "What?" What the heck do you mean? What do you mean I'm too nice? Like, I thought that's a good thing. She's like, it is, but like, I don't know. I just kind of feel like you're just too nice. So I'm like, what do you want me to do? Punch you in the face?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Where are we going with this? um... Uh,
2: So I didn't know what, I didn't know quite what to do. This was like me being a guy having absolutely no idea what she wanted. And so over the weekend, she spent time with her friends and I spent time alone and I had time to think. And so this is what I did. Here we go. So she calls me up Saturday night. I didn't call her. I waited for her to call me. She calls me up. She's like, hey, Daniel, how you, how how are you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. You know, she's like, how was your weekend? I was like, yeah, it was good. How was yours? She's like, yeah, I had a really good time with my friends, you know. And then I'm like, listen, Lauren, I, I don't know how to say this. Um, I kind of feel like there's no point like dating anymore. And like, as I'm saying this, my heart's like beating like a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> And she goes, What? What do you mean? Like, what are you saying? And I said, I don't know. I just I just feel like I don't know if it's going to go anywhere. Like, you know, I, every time I, I go out with you, I fall more in love with you. And I just feel like I'm I'm going to end up broken. And, and I, I just feel like it's maybe best that we just part ways and we just move on. Like, I'll just go back to London. And uh, I think that's best. Like my heart's like racing away as I'm saying this. I was going to say, this.
1: my heart is in my stomach right now. I feel sick you're just saying this, Daniel.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad. It's, 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 what if she calls my bluff, you know? And then she goes, no, 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 no. Let's just, okay, let's just go out one more time. Okay, let's just do one more date. And then let's just see what happens. Okay, and after that, you can decide like, but just let's just go out one more time. And I said, okay, fine. But I want to play a game. And she's like, what? I said, I want to go to the beach and I want to play a game. It's called Spin the Bottle. And she goes, um, Daniel, uh, what, what do you mean you want to play Spin the Bottle? Or what? I was like, okay, here's the thing. Here's the rules. You ready? These are the rules. I made up this game. It's called Spin the Bottle, but you don't kiss. She's like, what? I said, when the bottle points at you, basically what you have to do is you have to ask a question. And, oh, so this is, this is basically what we did was you write down 10 questions each, like, but they have to be really deep deep questions like life-changing questions, like questions about the purpose of life, everything that you want in your life like just really deep questions and i want both of us to write down 10 of those really hard questions and then we're going to put it in a hat and we're going to spin the bottle and whoever the bottle points to has to answer the question and it could be anyone's question so that's what we did we got went to the beach did a little picnic got the hat out we started writing we were like really like thinking hard about what questions we wanted to ask, and we put it in a hat. We played spin the bottle, and by the end of the game, my wife, my <laughs> I said, my wife, how funny that's a Freudian slip. Lauren looks me in the eye and she smiles and she goes, I'm ready.
1: Oh, I've just got tingles all over. Where <laughs> on earth did you come up with that idea, Daniel?
2: Oh freaking clue but like you know what it's just you got to be creative in life that that's part of like hey that's step number two like we talked about persistence right you got to be really persistent and really just go for it and just don't take no for an answer right that's that's number one Mm -hmm. if that's number one number two is you got to be really creative you got to stand out because everybody wants it right everybody wants to be the the best at whatever it is that whatever you guys listening whatever you want to be there's so many people that want, that want to be that. But here's the thing is that if you're creative enough that you can just be your own, then you have no competition. You have nobody who can compete with you because you're you, you're unique, you're different, there's something special. And so being creative is, I think, the second the second most important thing, to be
1: unique. And if we're talking about listing out life lessons here, I'm thinking number three has to be courage because you called her bluff. And you went over to Los Angeles when you'd never been there. Both episodes mm-hmm. of huge courage. Do you think mm-hmm. that courage is another kind of cornerstone to living a successful life?
2: Yeah, 100%. In fact, I'm writing a book. And I told you this uh, before we went on the show. Uh, so I'm actually writing a book. This book has been, I've been pregnant with this book for about 10 years now. And it's painful. I mean, you, you know, for the, for That's the ladies. That's a long list.
1: pregnancy, Daniel. That's a long pregnancy. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I will never claim to even imagine what it's like to be pregnant or go through all that pain. But because my wife went through four of them and uh, just looking at her, I, I was dying. And so. Um, <laughs> Have you got to you the know, swollen
1: ankle point with the book writing yet?
2: The swollen ankle point has been about five years now.
1: <laughs> you know so what I mean? Bl- you're finally a blimp. point. I'm
2: at the point where I think I'm, I'm like six centimeters dilated. Right? So, <laughs> so the book's coming out in about 90 days. I've like set a deadline for myself. I'm finally writing the damn thing. But it's been sitting in me for 10 years and it's called The Self-Help Addict. I came up with this title 10 years ago. I'm so surprised that, and thankful that so far nobody has actually taken that title for a book. And by the way, those of you listening to this, if you even dare to publish a book within the next 90 days and call it The Self-Help Addict, I will sue you.
1: <laughs> yep. I
2: have
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I the date that this goes out into the world, you definitely claim, claim ownership of that.
2: I will claim ownership. So The Self-Help Addict is essentially a book about me in a way, right? Because I, growing up, I was addicted to self-help. And for those of you listening, if you can relate to this, it's, it's crazy because what happens is that we get into this cycle. So one example would be, you know, you go into Barnes and Nobles, right? And you're like milling around and you're getting lost in the aisles, like finding the right book. And you, you know what I mean when I, when I say the right book? It's got to it's gotta jump out at you. I was going to say, it
1: almost has to fall off the shelf into your lap, right? You're yeah. like, it has to be that one. Yeah. I know what it's like to go looking you know for the saying? right book.
2: And you end up with a stack, right? You end up with about 10 and you're looking through and you're like flicking through and you're like, "Mm, mm, oh, mm, that one mm." and the testimonials. And then you're looking at the the front cover, the back cover, you're looking at the inside, the contents. Oh, that looks good. Yeah, I'll I'll read one chapter. And in the end, you finally like you find it and you're like, yeah, this is it. This is the one, the one you go, you pay for it. And there's this little sound or voice in your head that kind of says to you, I have a feeling that this is the book that's going to change my life. Like this is the one that I'm going to read this book and, and that's it. It's all going to be good now. And of course you read the book and you take out your highlighter and you're highlighting away like every line, right? Oh my God, that's so amazing. That's life changing. Oh my God, that's so amazing. That's going to change my life. And you go, and you go, and you go. And you go and
0: <laughs>
1: I've, I've right? been there. I, I would probably call myself a self-help addict too. I have been there Daniel. Hey,
2: you got to buy the book. And so you get to the end of the book and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is how you feel, right? You go, Oh shit. <laughs>
1: right? Because <laughs> it's like, have I changed uh, enough? Well, that
2: and what now? That's what mm. I used to think is now what? Because I, I've read the whole book. It's like, while you're reading the book, you've got an excuse not to do anything because I'm reading the book. Like I'm in training, right? I'm in training. I'm I'm learning. I'm in learning mode. So nobody can expect me to do anything. I'm I'm still gaining the knowledge. But then when you get to the end of the book, You've got no more excuses. You've run out of rope. Now you're like, uh-oh, I've got to take action. Crap, I'm scared. By the way, that's the third thing that we talked about, was courage, right? Mm. You start to feel like, oh no, what am I I can't do this, right? And so what do you do? This is what we do. As a self-help addict will do this. Hold on a second. Let me go to their website. Go to their website. Oh, look, at all this information. I need this information. Oh, look, they've got a webinar coming up. I've got to go on to the webinar. If I go to the webinar, then they're going to tell me and explain to me exactly what I need to do. And you go to the webinar and then it's like and they tell you at the end of the webinar that they've got this big event right in Vegas. And if you come to the event, da, 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 your life will change. And you're like, oh, my God, that's exactly what I need but you don't have the money. Oh, but I've got to, I'll borrow the money. I'll steal the money. I'll find it because if I go to this event, then I'm going to change, right? To cut a long story short, it's a cycle and it's never ending. And you end up with another book and you end up following another author and you find, and it's the same thing with diets and it's the same thing with business ideas and it's the same thing with everything. And so my book talks about how you break that cycle.
1: I was about to say, how on earth do we get out of it? Can you give us a tidbit, some little hints?
2: Well, I really want people to actually buy the book because that would be amazing. Fair
1: enough. I totally understand.
2: (laughs) But uh, I will say that what it comes down to essentially is it really comes down to taking action. Now, obviously, I break it down in the book more and we go into different areas and a lot of different life lessons that I've learned along the way. But essentially, it really comes down to this. If you look at somebody that you look up to, so for those of you listening, like I want you to imagine somebody who you idolize. Everybody idolizes someone, you know, whether it's Oprah Winfrey or Tony Robbins or whoever it is. Okay. Just picture them in your mind. And I want you to ask yourself this question. What makes them different to you? Honestly, really, ask yourself that question. What makes them different to you? So for me, if I'm standing in a crowd and Tony Robbins is on stage and I've just bought an expensive ticket, I've flown to go hear him and he's on stage and he's riling everybody up and it's amazing. I ask myself that question, like, why is Tony Robbins on stage and I'm in the audience? And do you know what the answer to that question is, Kate?
1: What is it?
2: It's that Tony is on stage and I'm in the audience, and that's it, <laughs> There is no
1: that. other difference.
2: Nope, nope, oh. he, 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 he got up on the stage,
1: mm. he,
2: he, he went through the motions, and, you know, we could talk about momentum a little bit, but, and I mentioned this in the book at length, but momentum is key, because once you start, here's the thing, you listeners, you know this, right, you don't want to go to the gym, you're like, oh crap, F the gym, I can't, like, uh, I don't want to go to the gym. No, I'm not doing it, right. But every single time, without fail, every single time, once you end up dragging your ass over there and you start to move, you just get into motion, the Sonic happens and you get into like a rhythm, you get into a momentum, the music starts playing, you start to let go, you start sweating, it feels good, and then you leave and you always feel good. But it's always a struggle to get there. But the key is recognizing that once you take action then something magical happens called momentum. And once you get momentum, you're unstoppable because you just keep going.
1: I'm fascinated because I talk a lot about momentum with my coaching clients and how important it is and that momentum builds. So we're definitely on the same page on that, Daniel.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, people ask me, you know, you've got a podcast show, like it, it's, you've done like 96 episodes and you're like a hundred thousand downloads and, you know, rated the top 26 podcasts on iTunes. Wow. Blah, blah, blah. And I honestly, like, I don't look at it like that. I, I just see the fact that I consistently, and by the way, that's, I think key number four is consistency. But like, I just literally put my foot forward and put my mouth in front of a microphone and just started talking and one episode turned into two and three and four and five and then 96, like, you know, and, and one download, which was probably my wife, you know, you know, one download turned into 100,000. But it's the same thing. And this is going to sound so cliche, but it's so true, is when you get to the top of the mountain, you look down and you're always surprised. You're yeah. always like, how the hell did I climb that? But it was always just one step. That's how you climbed it. One step. And that's it. You just keep going.
1: One foot in front of the other. I hear you. Daniel, I want to jump back a little bit in your story because you weren't always the successful man you are today. There was a time, I assume you would call it your rock bottom, when you lost your job, you're married to Lauren and you guys have your first child. Can Mm -hmm. you go back to that? And was that your rock bottom?
2: Ah, you've said two things that sent alarm bells off in my head. (laughs) (laughs) One is you said that I wasn't always successful. So before I was successful, I was this. And I kind of I want to throw just just throw it out there because part of my character and who I am, my personality is I always like to, uh, uh, you know, fight the status quo, argue on the status quo. I never accept things just as is like when I was in school, I would jump on tables and just drive the teachers crazy because I just couldn't just accept that I had to sit down and listen to whatever was being taught. And so when you say like, you know, before you were successful, I believe people are successful no matter what, like you're successful. And that's actually a chapter on my book is that you, I think the chapter is called You Have Already Won.
0: Oh, th- that
1: is brilliant, Daniel. Yep. And I appreciate you calling me on that. I never have any problem with being questioned or called out. I you appreciate always that. always successful. <laughs> I like that, though, because it's a I message that I believe we all need to hear, that there isn't a somewhere to get to, right?
2: Correct. And I'll give you, you know what, let me... I'm going to go into something right now that's really raw. It's really raw because it just happened yesterday. Um, uh, my life was turned upside down yesterday. It was about 3 p.m. I was in my office, um, busy with work, and I get a phone call, and it's my wife. And she says she can't breathe. And I said, What? What do you mean? And she's like, I- I- I can't, I can't breathe, and she's she's barely talking, and I'm like, what the, what do you mean? And she said, I, the ambulance is on its way, and she hangs up the phone, and I am freaking out. I am like, I, I, I run out of my office, I stop everything, I jump into my car, and I just race home, and there's thoughts in my head that are like. Uh, am I about to lose the the most precious person in my life? Is is that is that is that really going to happen right now? Um, like just like the the worst thoughts I can imagine were, were like just and i couldn't stop thinking that what what's going to happen with the kids what am i i i, I don't want to be alone like i love her too much like i can't lose like this is what is going to happen and i'm driving and i get home and the ambulance is already there and my wife is being wheeled out and they've got a gas mask on her face and i'm just like what the hell happened and the neighbor comes up to me and she she says your wife um basically inhaled chlorine that was left out in the sun we have a, a swimming pool and the uh, we put chlorine in it and there was a chlorine in a in a tub that was left out in the in the heat and she went to put take chlorine out and when she opened the canister it basically blew up in her face oh my my and she she really couldn't breathe um and uh they're like rushing her to hospital and i'm i'm now having to be at home with the four kids uh, my oldest is 9 my youngest is just turning 1 so you can imagine like uh, you know i don't even know how to react because i can't panic because i've got to be calm for the kids and so i've got to put them to bed and in the meantime my head is just racing like what's happening to my wife like i need to be with my wife but i but i need to be with my kids and so it's the scariest thing And, and none of you listening should ever should ever go through such a thing um but i just felt like completely powerless you know what i mean like just powerless, and and so finally, I I put the kids to bed, and I and I text my wife, and I'm like, is everything okay? You know, and she's like, um, yeah, I'm I'm basically hooked up to a machine, and and they're taking X-rays of my lungs, and they're gonna keep me here overnight, and and so I end up lying in my bed, and just this is gonna sound whatever. I mean, I'm gonna say it just because you know, I like smell her clothes. Oh. I smell my wife's clothes, and I, and I literally was. I don't know. Like I I felt like I was going to just break down because I felt I can't lose this. I can't lose her. And like I, I somehow fell asleep. And the next morning, I called her up and uh, took the kids to, to school. And she picks up the phone and she's she told me that basically um, they took her off the machine. And thank God, thank God she's breathing again on her own. And it's not easy to breathe, but it's it's OK. And her lungs are thankfully clear. And they're just keeping her for a few more hours, and then I'll be able to come and and pick her up. And Kate, I remember getting in the car, going to pick up my wife, and as I'm driving, I'm thinking to myself, like, why do I worry about such stupid things like parking tickets and this person insulted me and you know my Wi-Fi is slow, just like the stupidest things, like oh I don't have enough money for that or. Oh, why can't I have this or bigger house or this or whatever it is? And it's like, why does it take almost losing a loved one to get to that point where you have that wake up call where you realize, like in that moment, Kate, if you asked me like, oh, aren't you upset about this or about? I'd be like, no, I don't care. I just want my wife to come home. Like, really,
1: that's
2: all I care about. So. Yeah. Why did we even get into this story? Because
1: you were calling me out on what success really is and how we don't need things necessarily to feel successful. We're all born successful. Is Lauren home?
2: Yes, thank God. Oh, thank God. Yeah, yeah, she is. And it's interesting that you say that as well. Like when we were kids, we were successful, right? So here's something that I love to talk about as well is if you watch children, you can actually learn everything you need to know about success. So negotiation, right? If you want to learn negotiation skills, like just literally look at your, look at your child. My daughter, when it's bedtime, holy cow! <laughs> oh, just just one more, just one more show, daddy. Just one more show, daddy. And it's like. Oh yeah, one more show, right? You know, it's like, come on, you know. And it's like you bu- want to buy the, you know, you go into a toy store, right? I went into a toy store the other day. My my, my boys are like, oh, we really want that toy. I'm like, oh, you know, no, nah, no, you know, we're not buying anything today, like, you know, no. But I want that toy, and I'm like, yeah, but that's a bit pricey. That one, that toy. Like, can we, can we? Let's buy this toy. No, no, but all the kids have this toy. Oh, oh, and 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 that's back and forth. So there's persistence. And then they go into oh, daddy, you know, I'll give you a big hug. Like, I'll do anything you want. And it's like, oh, man, a guilt trip. right? You <laughs> oh, learn that, right? And then it's like, I'll play with my brother. I'll play. We'll play together. And you're just like, oh, OK, fine. Like, win-win situation here. We're like thinking about what I want, right? They're so smart. They are real kids. are super smart. Then you look at a baby. Like, my one-year-old, a couple of months ago, he was just crawling. And all of a sudden, he starts to lift himself up. actually hold on a second he hasn't started walking yet what am i talking about but at some point he'll start walking my other kids so when they went through this stage they start to stand up and what do they do they take one step and then
0: they smash Ah. themselves
2: smash themselves and you look at them and you think to yourself god like how do they do that now let me ask you a question kate if i told you hey kate why don't you um do this whatever like this exercise or and you do it and then suddenly Bam, you get like smashed across the side of your head and you're like, ow, wow, that really hurt. Would you do it again?
0: Right. As adults,
1: <laughs> so, we just have a tendency to go, I'm not doing that again. But kids do. They just get up and right. keep trying and keep going.
2: Exactly. And they just, they, they don't, they feel the pain. They do it anyway. Here's the funny thing. And if you don't, if you're listening to this and you don't have children, just think about you as a kid. And here's what I love is I love to think about the fact that I had everything I ever need I have everything I ever need because when I was a kid I had everything I had all the skills I'll, I'll ever need I had the negotiation skills I had the we were talking about persistence earlier on I was every kid is persistent like come on like who who's listening to this when you were a kid when you wanted something you didn't cry you didn't scream for it when you were a baby and courage you weren't courageous. You didn't, you didn't go and search in that room, which you had no idea what was there, and it was dark. You didn't go in there. You didn't pick up that weird-looking thing that probably could have killed you if your mom didn't take it away from you in time. We experimented. As kids, we were curious. We loved adventure. We weren't scared of anything. My, my question is, at what point in your life did you stop? That's uh, the question I have for you. At what point in your life did you stop being courageous? You don't need to be courageous. You just need to go back to being courageous. You were courageous. You just stopped something in your life or someone or whatever it was stopped you and you need to claim it back. What was it that stopped you from being persistent and getting your way because you wanted something? Why? Why did you stop that? That's the question I would ask you.
1: Such good questions. I'm just sitting here going, Whoa. You know, if, if people don't get anything out of, else out of this entire discussion, if they just ask themselves those two questions, their lives would change. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I want to go back to that point you just made that you said, mm-hmm. I've always had everything I needed. So you're telling mm-hmm. me yeah. that in those moments where you didn't necessarily have money in the bank, you still always had everything you needed. Does that yeah. sound true to you?
2: I just didn't know it.
1: Right. So can you talk me through how you remembered it?
2: So here's the thing. There's two options you have. You can either be passive or you can be proactive. And that's with everything in life, right? And that's also something that I talk about in the book is is obviously self-help addicts tend to be very passive, right? We wait for things to happen. We wait for the right time. But successful people, super achievers, the person that you think of when you think of success, they just produce they go out they make things happen they're proactive they're not waiting and so what was the question you asked me so, again i completely lost it right so there. how
1: how did you remember you- that you had everything that you needed even in those moments where it felt like you had nothing
2: okay so here it is okay so there's two options either something will happen to you like it happened to me yesterday where god forbid a catastrophe happens and you almost lose someone very close to you, or unfortunately you lose someone close to you and you go to the funeral. Like I guarantee you, anyone listening to this, if you've ever been to a funeral or if you've ever been to a hospital to visit someone, you're not thinking about the taxes that you have to pay at the end of the year. I guarantee it. You're not, you're not thinking about, Oh, that person cut me off when I was driving on the way here. You don't care. Like when you're driving back from a funeral and someone cuts you off You don't care. No, you don't. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Who cares? Because why? Because you, you were just exposed to the grand scheme of life. Like when you look at the whole picture, when you look at the whole picture, suddenly things just look tiny. You know, the tiny things suddenly look tiny. But when we're not looking at the big picture and we're stuck in the nitty-gritty of things, then the nitty-gritty, like the tiny little things, look big. They look massive. It's like, oh, God, how can it? You know, this stupid internet, like, oh, oh God, got a freaking parking car. That person, oh, they said this to me. Oh, I'm so angry. Oh, did you know... All right, that's it. I'm calling all my friends, and I'm going to tell every single one of them what happened because I need to get this off my chest because this person... But then when you look at the big picture, and like I said, going back to your question, there's two ways that you can look at the big picture. One is you can wait for the inevitable, which is inevitably stuff happens in life where you get shaken up. And that's when you have those moments of clarity and you realize, holy crap. Or you can be proactive and you can actively on a daily basis, wake up and Literally if you have to write it down like I'm I'm a big believer in doing what you feel is right. I don't believe in saying you should write down a gratitude list every morning. Maybe, maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. Should you jump into a cold shower in the morning because Tony Robbins does it or whoever else, you know, like inspires you, does that? Like, no, if you don't like cold showers, like don't take cold showers. Like if, if, if you don't like to do something, don't. I know people who say, oh, you know, I wake up at 4.30 in the morning and I do meditation and then I go and do this. And I'm like, good for you. I'm sleeping. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> I like my sleep. So whatever it is, whenever it is in your day, have that time in your day. And whether you write it down or think about it, just focus on the top things in the priorities in your life. I guarantee you that if on a daily basis, you focus on the important things, the things that really that they're the world to you, that you that they're worth living for. And dying for, if you focus on those things, then all the other stuff won't it won't matter anymore. It just won't. Any dream that you have, whether it's getting on stage and speaking on stage, those fears that you have, usually those fears are just they're silly. There they are. They're just silly little things. Like, oh what? what happens if this? Oh, who cares? So it happens. So what? What's gonna happen? You're gonna die? No. Okay. But, but look at the focus on the big picture. What if I do get on stage? And what if I freaking Rock kick it. ass? Yeah. <laughs> Rock it. Like then it's like, wow. Then I can inspire people. Then I can change people's lives. Then I can feel awesome. All of those excuses that you have and those fears, they pale into, into like nothing when you focus on the big picture. Like what's the goal? We're only here for a certain period of time. And then that's it. And so my question to you is another question. When you die, like, what do you want to leave behind? What do you want to be remembered by? What legacy do you want to leave? You want to be the person who just read lots of books and took in lots of information and tried lots of things and followed lots of people? Or do you want to be the person that changed other people's lives? Do you want to be the person that actually was someone that your children and grandchildren can look up to? Hey, my grandma, she wrote a book. Do you know what I would do? To get my grandfather's book. Oh my God! My grandfather—he died two years ago. Yeah, he never wrote a book. Mm. I wish he had a book. I wish I could read my grandfather's book. Oh man! I, do you know how much money I would pay if someone could just go up there and get him to write the bloody book and then give Still it to me? Over it to. Over <laughs> it to me, right? Well, so forget Amazon. Like you know, Amazon after death.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: I would love that. So don't be selfish. And I'm going to I'm like, this is me getting like in your face. Don't be selfish. It's selfish. When you decide not to write a book or you decide not to do something because you're scared, you're being selfish.
1: Oh, that hits selfish. home. That hits home. I hear Sorry. you on that was,
2: one. You're, you're, you're holding it back from everybody else. You could be inspiring so many people, your grandchildren, your great grandchildren, years to come after you pass, they can have something that you created, that you produced in your lifetime. And if you don't produce it, you're selfish. You're holding it back from them. Don't do
1: that. Do it for them. That's good. That's good, Daniel. You're getting me. Oh, I'm fascinated now. This word success, (laughs) does it mean anything to you? And if it does, what does it mean? What is a successful life?
2: Okay, so... If you were to ask me who's the person I look up to, who, who do I consider to be the most successful person that I think in my life, I would say my grandfather. I've interviewed 96, 97 actually, 97. Today I interviewed the 97th entrepreneur, right? Successful. I've had millionaires, billionaires, leaders, thought lead, like, you know, all the big girls and guys, yeah, on my show. And of all of the people I've interviewed, nobody comes close to my grandfather, And you know why? Because my grandfather, when he was 14 years old, he was in the Holocaust. And he was in Auschwitz. And he watched both of his parents get shot in the head.
1: Oh, my, my.
2: And he watched all of his siblings completely slaughtered. And when they were firing bullets, one of the bullets hit him in the shoulder. And he went down. And he stayed down. Because he knew that if he got up again, the next bullet would hit him in the head. And so he stayed down until it got dark, pretending to be dead amongst all the bodies. And then when he thought it was safe, he climbed out. And he ran into the woods. And they got him. And they tried to hang him. They hung him twice. But both times, both times, the sirens went off. And he managed to escape. There they were false alarms. They thought the Russians were coming the first time and the second time they thought the Americans were coming. And my grandfather managed to escape again. And on another occasion, he was about 15 feet from the gas chambers. He was standing in line and a Nazi soldier was standing next to him and there was a horse. And the horse made on a Nazi soldier's boot. And this Nazi turned around to my grandfather who was standing next to him and he said, you dirty Jew, come out here and clean my boot. So my grandfather got on his hands and knees and cleaned up the boot. And this Nazi then said to him, get out of here. So my grandfather didn't go into the gas chambers. And you know what? When he was liberated and he was one of the few survivors and he was the only survivor in his whole family and he had lost everything and when i say everything i mean everything that he basically had to start from complete scratch he had no material nothing nobody no material nothing not a penny and he built himself and built himself and built himself and he built himself a family he built himself a business he's he if you want to know what success to me that's success cuz he had every reason every reason to give up He had every single reason to take his own life at every single point. At any point, nobody would have blamed him or thought anything of it if he would have taken his own life. But you know what? He didn't. Do you know why he didn't? Why? Because he wasn't selfish. Because he believed that there was something in him that he needed to keep going. He needed to produce. He needed to keep moving forward. And because of him, I'm alive today.
1: Wow. I am... I am tears in my eyes just wow what an inspiration it's just success of the human spirit it's what i'm hearing
2: yeah mhm
1: wow i can understand why he is someone's book who you would like to read
2: <laughs> yeah well i'm hoping to do justice by writing my book and yeah wow i hope it does <laughs>
1: Oh, I feel like the rest of the interview now is just going to pale in comparison to that spot of inspiration because I do. I just hear that you believe that success is held in our human spirit and your grandfather's story is such a demonstration of that. Thank you. All right. I do ask everyone, Daniel, a bunch of questions to help to get to know them better on a lighter level, but I feel like I already know you at a deeper level. So this feels a little backwards.
2: Okay. But we're gonna go there.
1: (laughs) That's true, I don't. But I am kind of interested because you did say that you sleep in. So are you a morning (laughs) person or a night person?
2: Definitely a night person.
1: Do you do your best work at night?
2: You know, it's funny. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Like sometimes by the end of the day I kind of just wanna crash and zone out, just chill. But sometimes when I'm on, I'm on. And I'm a big believer that you've got to, like I said before, you really have to be in tune with who you are. That's why I'm an entrepreneur, because I can't work for someone else. I can't be told, you need to be here at nine o'clock and you need to leave at five o'clock and you need to take your lunch break at one o'clock. Like, what if I get hungry at 11 or what if I'm not hungry at one and I'm only going to get hungry at like three? Like, I don't want to take a lunch break when I'm not hungry. Like, what if I want to take a vacation with my wife and kids, like in June, maybe I don't want to take it in August when everybody else takes it and it's really expensive and, you know, everything's full. And so I'm not a big believer in this is when I have to do X. If I feel in the moment that I want to do X, I'll do it. And you know what? Usually when I'm in that moment and I feel like I'm on, like I'm in that productive mode, then... I get so much more done and I can honestly, I'm not saying this to boast Kate, but I can honestly get more done in a three hour, like super productive three hour block than a lot of people can get done in, in a month, like no exaggeration.
1: So when the productivity hits you, you've just got to roll with it and then you, you can pump it out.
2: take it, take advantage of it. And you know what? When you feel low and we all get there, we all feel low. We always go, we go through those cycles. And when you feel low, don't push yourself. Like don't, don't make yourself feel bad. Like don't feel like you have to go and do something. Just be with it. Like just go through it. Allow it. Rejuvenate, re-energize and trust yourself. Trust that when you get through it, you're going to get back on your wagon, you're going to get back on the horse and you're going to charge forward and then you're going to hit that low point again and it's a cycle and it's fine.
1: That leads perfectly into my next question in this series, which is, do you have like a favorite self-care activity, something that you do when you need to rejuvenate or restore your energy?
2: Mm, I love the beach. I love, love the waves. I could just stare at waves and just... You know thankfully, we live like forty five minute drive from from a beach, and so if I ever have that day where I just need to kind of like completely let go, and you know, Kate, do you know how I was saying to look at the big picture of life mm-hmm. I feel like when I'm staring at the ocean, I see the whole picture like I see you just see how big the world is, you see how big it is and and at the same time you you watch the waves and you see how consistent they are they just kind of they just go and they're flowing and you see the power that they have but yet at the same time there's a calmness do you know what I mean by that? like there's a power those those waves, man, they're powerful i've been if you've ever been surfing or swimming in the ocean and you get hit by a wave man that that thing takes you right and you feel that power of the wave it's awesome it's like, wow, but at the same time, if you watch the waves, it's so calm, it's like calm and i and what I take from that is that sometimes your most powerful moments usually are when you're in a calm state, when you're calm, you're cool, you're, you're with, you're just in that moment, you're in that zone. That's when, you're so, that's when you're at the most powerful point, usually.
1: That makes total sense to me. Can you remember a time where you feel like you took the long route in life? And if you did, what were the lessons you learned on the way?
2: Usually, whenever I've taken a long route, it's usually me getting distracted. <laughs> That's basically, that's pretty much it. It's usually a shiny object somewhere that I look at that somebody else has or someone else does and you're like, wow, that looks really cool. I should do that, right? And then you go and you try it and of course, you know, whatever, it doesn't work out and then you try something else and you always come back usually to your core and you go, why did I move from that? Like I was doing really well with that, right? Whatever that is, you, you guys listening, you know what I mean, right? When you're doing something and you're doing really well, stick to it. That's your thing. Like stick to your thing. You're good at it. Do it. And all the other things, like don't worry about it. Like, you know, your friend or your neighbor or your aunt or whoever is doing X and they're successful at whatever it is. Okay. Doesn't mean you're going to be successful at that. And it also doesn't mean that they'll be successful at what you're doing. But if you're successful at what you're doing, then keep doing it. Don't get distracted. Don't let all those shiny objects kind of like grab your attention and go, ooh, look at me, come. This is so exciting, you know? And so that's usually usually and I'm a big I'm a big sucker for that. I'm learning, I'm still tempted to go after those shiny things, but I'm I've worked on myself a lot. So I've learned to look at it and go not now. now. Now I'm doing this.
1: So um, another one of my guests I interviewed recently called Lucy Sheridan. She said the exact same thing and she has a little mantra for herself and she says, stay in your lane, Lucy, stay in your lane. So maybe stay you can your- try that, Daniel. Stay in your lane, I- Daniel, stay in your lane.
2: I like that, stay in your lane.
1: Do you have, being a self-help junkie, do you have a favorite book or is that just way too big a question to ever go near?
2: Nope. Um, I'll tell you my favorite book. And I'll actually tell all the audience that I know what your best book is. Ooh, isn't that cool? How can I do that? Right? You're thinking, how can he know what my favorite book is? There's no way he can know that. Well, I've got special powers. So I'm going to tell you what your favorite book is. You ready for this? Kate? I'm ready. I'm ready. Mm -hmm. Your favorite book is the one that you write.
1: I knew you were going to go there and I love it. Uh,
2: So, so the answer to that question is my favorite book is my book. It's the book that I'm writing, and it's the book that I'm going to produce, and that's my favorite book.
1: Oh, I love that. That is so good. (laughs) What is one thing in your day, Daniel, that you can't do without?
2: My family, like for sure. Like, you need I need to be able to like see my family at the end of the day. Like, I come home from work and everything else like I could have had the crappiest day at work but if just knowing in my mind that I'm gonna go home I'm gonna see my kids and even if I get home like sometimes I'll get home past bedtime like and I'll but just being able to watch them sleep just just look at them um, and come home to my wife like that for me I can't go without.
1: So good all right the final question for you
2: all right here we go here we go
1: <laughs> first of all do you believe in a soul and if so how would you describe it
2: so the answer is yes there's two answers to this question one you're gonna hate me for you're gonna think it sucks <laughs> um Try and here it is if you had a blind man on your show and the blind man asked you kate can you describe me the color red what would you say to him or her
1: Oh my gosh, where, where, where do you even start? Come on, you, could, oh, like you can, you can use saying? the words
2: you want. Use any words in the vocabulary, All right. dictionary, every... I, w- every, I would
1: say it's rich and it's warm and it's bright and gosh, oh, I would be stunned.
2: He doesn't really know what warm is from that perspective. In other words the reason why you're struggling Kate is because he you cannot describe the color red to a blind man because he has nothing to compare it to his his other senses that he or she has doesn't comp- there's no comparison you can't compare it there's no there's nothing like you said it right you said where do i start you can't start there is no start and because there's no start There's no description. And so when you ask me, what is a soul, I can't describe it to you.
1: Do you know, this is why I love having good conversations with intelligent Jewish people, because they leave you with more questions than answers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're good at. We like to ask the questions and answer the questions. Oh
1: but you're so right. I mean we've got no way to even comprehend it.
2: No, but you can experience it. That I will say. And that that that's the closest you're ever going to get is that you personally can experience it. You can never describe it, can never describe it because it's just you just can't. It's like trying to describe love to someone who's never been in love or never felt love like you can't describe that you experienced that it's an experience beyond for those of you listening if you have a child how can you explain the love of a child of of a mother or a father to a child to somebody who's never had children you can't it's just not possible you have to experience it. It's experiential. And same thing with the soul. Oh, you have to experience
1: So good. All <laughs> right. If being a father and all of these sort of life lessons and the tenacity of the human spirit that we've spoken about today, how do you try and impart that to your children? And as listeners, how can we do that with our own kids?
2: you have to be an example you can't you know telling kids one thing and doing something else is just you're just a you're just a contradiction that's the one thing kids are so smart They're, they they capture everything they know everything and so when you say one thing but you act a different way they they know it everything you say goes out the window it means nothing it's meaningless it's meaningless because if your actions go against your words, they, they're meaningless. So if you tell your son or your daughter, you know, be bold, be courageous, be, you could be anything, but then you're scared and you're not doing your dream, you're not following your dreams. Like, what the, you know what the message you're giving them is? It's that you don't really believe it because if you did, you'd do it yourself.
1: Gotta lead by example.
2: Yeah, 100%.
0: Well, I said it in the introduction, and I'll say it again now. I thought that was pretty epic. I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with Daniel. His stories stirred my heart. We talked about his new book, The Self-Help Addict, which is coming out very soon. I think it's going to be a really good one. I love the sneak preview he gave us in today's episode. To make sure you stay up to date with the release of his book, head to www.theselfhelpaddict.com and pop in your name and email address and Daniel will keep you posted. If you want to listen to more of Daniel talking to other people, you can head over to his podcast and download an episode or two. It's the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast by Daniel Gaffin, And if you want to track down Daniel, head to danielgeffen.com let this episode sink in until next week Thrivers keep showing up